Well, good morning and happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of the Unshakable Podcast. My name is Sam and I am your podcast host. The Unshakable Podcast is an extension of Unshakable Ministries, where our goal is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live the life that Christ expects us to live. Ways that you can find us on social media, if you will go over to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast, you will find us there. On Instagram, our username is unshakable underscore podcast. And on Twitter, our username is unshakable underscore one. And that is the numerical value one. Ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. If you are listening this morning, let me be the first to welcome you to the Unshakable Nation. Other ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. You will check your show notes right there in your podcast app. You will find links to other ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. If you want to give to support the show, then you can find that link right there in your podcast app. And it says, support the show. And we want to take this opportunity to continue to thank those who are giving in support of this show. You are helping us to reach a larger audience with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that continued support. Again, if you want to give, then we ask you to prayerfully consider that. We don't want you just to give just because. We want you to prayerfully consider that this is where God would want you to put your money. And if you feel so led, then by all means do so. It is not expected, but we always appreciate those who give to support the show. For feedback, questions, comments, topics, anything that you want to send over, I ask that you send that over to sam at unshakableministries.com. The biggest way, the most important way, and we always say this during every episode that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation is through your prayers. We covet your prayers greatly and we ask that you just continue to pray that we would be sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that we would join God where he is already at work, impacting the world one life at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we have just gotten into this new series. We started last week and we were talking about the letters of Paul. And we started in Romans chapter one last week, and we're just going to dive right in because I don't want to take up too much time. So I just want to dive right in this morning and give a brief overview of what we discussed last week, because it's going to carry us into this week as well and what we're going to be talking about. So We got into Romans chapter 1 last week and began to talk about some things out of Romans chapter 1. And so this was Paul's introduction to the church in Rome. This this was where Paul is writing the Christians in Rome. And this was a predominantly Gentile congregation, according to uh, historical records of the letter of Romans. And he starts off by introducing himself as a servant of Christ. And he then gives his authority within the context of Christ as an apostle. He then lays out the divine authority of Christ, which is where his authority comes from. And he encourages the Roman Christians by mentioning that he prays for them and desires to come to them and visit with them. But what's interesting is we find that Paul, again, this letter is written to Roman Christians, and he desires to preach the gospel to them. And we talked about that last week. And why it was significant for Paul to preach the gospel to those who had already heard the gospel. So it was an interesting point to look at 
again, as they were already Christians, but Paul says he wants to come and preach the gospel to them. Why would he want to preach the gospel to a group of people who were already considered to be Christians? He closes out this introduction in Romans chapter 1 by stating his boldness within the gospel because he knows that it is powerful in the lives of those who believe. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to those that are being saved. And then he begins to describe a group of people from a third-person perspective. And I think it's very interesting, this list, and we talked about this list last week. It's a lot of times within the Christian faith, many people get caught up on just a couple of different things within this list. But Paul mentions a pretty significant list here, a pretty detailed list of things that he's calling this people group out on. And again, this is, when I say third person, talking from the third person or referring to this group as a third person, he wasn't directly talking to the Romans at this point, the, the Roman Christians at this point. He was describing this group of people. And some of the things that he lays out in this list, or all of the things he lays out in this list, are men laying with men, women laying with women, unrighteousness in general, evil in general, covetousness, which is begrudging others and desiring to have what they have, malice, which is an intention to do evil, envy, which is desiring to be someone else, murder, strife, which is someone who loves conflict, deceitfulness is the practice of purposely deceiving, maliciousness, a desire to harm others, gossip, sharing information about others based on pure speculation, slander, making false statements about others, haters of God, insolent, which means to be boldly rude or disrespectful, haughty, acting superior to another, vain, conceited, or pompous, boastful, prideful about themselves and their accomplishments, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. As Paul pointed these things out, the challenge for us was not to get hung up on one or two of these things, but to read the full list and examine our own hearts before passing judgment on others. And how we as Christians have a tendency to look at a couple of things on this list and judge others when there are some things in this list that we are guilty of. And Paul closes out Romans chapter 1 by saying that these people know God's righteous decrees and ignore them by not only doing these things, but also approving of others who do these things. Now understand that when you're approving of someone doing something, it's not necessarily that you say, yes, I approve of that person doing it. It's that you say nothing. And I think that's something that's very interesting to be pointed out here is, to be honest with you, coming from my perspective is what I've tried to do here with this podcast, and and I've also used some social media channels to do this thing, is tried to challenge the people that are a part of the church as well as leaders in the church with the truth of Scripture And I've been the one who has been basically cast aside, myself along with others who are attempting to do the same thing. 
We're the ones that are being cast aside as if we don't know what we're talking about. But the truth of it is, is we can no longer sit by and approve of these things. We can't approve of the false doctrines, the false teachings that are being taught in the church. So I think that's something that's interesting to point out is that approval can be without speaking a word. It can be sitting idly by and allowing these things to happen. That, in essence, is approval of these things being done. So, as we dive into this week, we're going to be jumping into Romans chapter 2 to look at Paul addressing the Roman church directly. And I want to read Romans chapter 2, and yes, the entire chapter, and I just want you to stick with me as we go through this, and then we will come back and look at some things. Starting in Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised 
keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Okay. Now, I understand that was long chapter, long reading. But it's important because we're going to cover these things this morning and talk about what Paul is communicating here. In Romans 2, 1 through 5, what we see right there in these verses, and I want to, I want to point out these things and, and how we know that Paul is addressing these things directly. He says, therefore, you have no excuse. Every one of you who judges, in passing judgment, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the same things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness, not realizing his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent or unchanged heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. So we begin to see Paul, after setting up the letter with a parable, so to speak, he then goes right into his reasoning for longing to preach the gospel to them. And I think that's what we have to see. Though they were believers, there was an element missing in their lives. Paul needed them to understand the basic elements of the gospel that we can assume by this writing they did not fully comprehend. So what was missing? And I think when we read Romans chapter 2, we begin to see, it is clear to me that they had probably heard and responded to the gospel by placing their faith in Christ. However, the one key thing they were missing was a changed life. In other words, they had yet to put off the old way of life and put on the new way of life. It's one thing to profess Christ as Lord of your life, and it's completely different when you actually live your life in submission to his lordship. And we can clearly see by what Paul has written that his desire was to encourage a disciplined life in Christ, that the true evidence of salvation was seen in the way someone lived their life. And these Roman Christians had done well to hear the gospel, but they had used the gospel as a scale of judgment on others while they themselves continued to do the same things they were judging others for. They basically had used Jesus as a get-out-of-hell-free card, and Paul is making it clear that this isn't how it works. They were taking advantage of God's grace, as pointed out in verse 4, when, when you read verse 4, when he explains God's grace and kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But Paul explains very clearly that they will not escape the judgment of God because of your hard and impenitent, unrepentant, or unchanged hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself. And Paul then moves into a point of making them understand the natural instinct of man. 
First Paul explains that those who sin without the law will also perish without the law. Here's the one thing to understand and note is it doesn't say they will be judged without the law. This is important because we know that Christ is the new covenant. He is the new law and all things will be judged through Christ. So it's not those who hear the gospel that are justified by the gospel. It is those who actually live according to the gospel. Now listen, the church is full of people who have heard the gospel. It's full of people who have actually responded to the gospel. But it's also full of people who within that profess Christ, but do not live a changed life. They basically use Jesus to their own benefit without ever actually submitting to Christ and following Christ. This is what myself and some others are trying to challenge. We're trying to get to the heart of this. When we talk about bringing everything back to Christ, that everything in Scripture must be centered on Christ, filtered through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. It's making Jesus Christ central in everything. So when we examine our hearts, we are examining our hearts against Christ in comparison to Christ. We are examining our lives to find out how they model Christ. Because the truth of it is, is if our lives, our actions, our words, our thoughts are not modeling Christ, then how can we, in essence, say that we're any different than the Roman Christians right here? who were judging others against Christ when they themselves were living the exact same way the people they were judging. So we, as professed Christ followers, we have to be truthful with ourselves when we examine ourselves. When we go to the mirror, we have to look at Christ as the model. And then we examine how we are following Christ. Where have we messed up? Where do we need to repent? How can we be better about following Christ? But few people want to do that. You know, as Paul points out here in Romans chapter 2, when you look at this and he says that, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, to be quite honest with you, the church is full of self-seeking people. They only profess it as a status symbol. Now, I'm not trying to pass judgment on anyone. I I'm, myself have been guilty of this. I myself can still be guilty of this. I mean, when you go back to that list of things, haughty and boastful, gossips, slanderers, deceitfulness. The church is full of these people. But we want to call out one or two others that other people practice in their life and forget all of the things that we practice in our lives? As I said last week, the one thing that we have to do is we have to go back. We've got to remove the log from our own eye before we start picking the splinter out of someone else's. And as Christ followers, we have forgotten how to do that. We have forgotten how important it is for us to do that. 
So I don't want us to be the Christ followers that use Christ as a get-out-of-hell-free card and forget that we actually have to follow Christ. We actually have to submit to Christ and live according to the model and example that He left for us. We actually have to take everything in our lives, words, actions, thoughts, and filter them through Christ to make sure that they are obedient to Christ. So it's not those who hear the gospel that are justified by the gospel. It is those who actually live according to the gospel. Now Paul then jumps into something that is very interesting. And it's the question that has been asked in the church for many years. Is it possible for someone who has never heard the gospel to actually obtain eternal life? And you read right there in verses 14 through 16 of Romans chapter 2, but when you read that, many times it leaves more questions than answers. And I hate to tell you, but I am not about to try to answer it today. That's not what this episode is about. That is for another episode. So I will leave it there. But the one thing that must be pointed out, and this is the thing that we try to make very clear, is what Paul points out in verse 16. And he makes it clear that all things will be judged by Christ. Christ is the measuring stick. Now, whether or not someone can obtain eternal life apart from hearing the gospel is not for me to answer. That only God knows the truth to that. Everything else is mere speculation. So what I'm going to sit back is I'm going to continue to do what I've been called to do, and that is to preach and teach the gospel, to make disciples, and I will allow God to deal with the answer to that question, and I will continue to try to reach people with the gospel who have never heard the gospel. But the important thing to note is that all things will be judged by Christ because Christ is the measuring stick. Now, Paul closes the chapter out by showing them the folly in their ways when he says, you teach, but you don't learn. Those aren't the words that he uses. He says, those of you who teach, are you not teaching yourselves? In other words, you know what? We need to grow up in the faith. We need to mature. We don't need to strictly get up and and go to church to hear what someone else has to say. We need to study the scriptures in a way that allows us to teach. Because let me explain something to you from my perspective. I've been in the ministry now for 17, going on 18 years. And the one thing I can tell you is I never learned as much about scripture and the truth of the gospel than when I got into the ministry and began to teach the scriptures myself. It requires a whole different level of discipline when you're actually teaching. Then Paul points that out to them. You teach, but you do not learn. Or are you teaching yourself? You lead, but you do not follow. Listen, it is one thing to stand up and call yourself a leader in the faith. Call yourself a pastor, a teacher, a deacon, whatever. But the truth of it is, is you can't truly lead the people of God unless you first learn how to follow God. You can't lead people to Christ until you learn how to follow Christ. Because the Christ that you are attempting to get people to follow is not actually the Christ of the Bible. Now, I'm not saying this is applicable to all people. 
But what I'm saying is there are those of us that really need to examine our own lives before we start trying to lead other people to the Christ that we profess to follow. Because the Christ of the Scripture, the Christ of the Bible, requires something of us. It it comes at a cost. (coughs) When we follow Christ, it is going to cost us something. That is the Christ we need to lead people to. We don't need to lead them to this Christ that lives on a cloud and is going to promise them all of this stuff, is going to make all of their troubles go away, and is going to make their life grand, and is going to give them all the money that they need. The truth of it is, is that is not the Christ of the Scripture. The Christ of the Scripture promises us persecution and tribulation and troubles in this world. And we need to make sure that people understand the truth of the gospel. Yes, Christ will take your burdens away. Yes, Christ will forgive your sin. And Christ will love you and Christ will give you the power to live this life. But he is not some magic fairy waiting to take all of your troubles away in this life. That is a false gospel. That is a false hope. That is not the Christ that we follow. The Christ that we follow makes waves in this world. He gives us something much better to follow. A foundation built in eternity. And we need to remember that. And we need to tell people the truth of that when it comes down to it. Yes, God loves you through Christ Jesus. We know that. We know that God's love is unconditional. We know that God can forgive the worst of the worst. We, we've been talking about that with Paul. We see through the book of Acts. Paul was a murderer, for goodness sake. But God can forgive because that is his love. Because of what he did through Jesus Christ on the cross. But when you begin to profess Christ as your Lord, you need to understand the cost. And Christ said it in his own words. Does a man begin to build a house without first knowing the cost? The cost is imperative. But look at what Paul says here. He says, For it is written, The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And we see this even today among Christians. They call themselves Christ followers, yet they do not follow Christ. Christians, Christ followers, church people are watching what we do and what we say and when we don't act in accordance with the gospel we claim to follow people want nothing to do with jesus we claim that jesus can change lives but our lives our lives aren't even evidence of this change that we profess we live unrighteous and undisciplined lives for all to see And we are proud and boastful about it. How do we expect anyone to ever know the life-changing power of Christ if we, in fact, aren't living those changed lives? 
We go to church. We serve in the church. We teach in the church. We preach in the church. By all outward appearance, we look righteous. But remember what Paul says in verse 16. It is the secrets of men that will be judged by Christ. It's not about the words we say. It is about the heart behind our actions. And if we have truly been changed as we profess, then our lives should be offered as living sacrifices for others to see. Let us not be the reason God is mocked and blasphemed among the lost. Let us be the reason that those who need Christ want to be a part of what Christ is doing in our lives. Let us be a living example, a living sacrifice. Let us fully commit to the gospel. Let us not be self-seeking. Let us not judge others, but let us rightfully examine our own lives. and give our lives in complete and absolute surrender to Christ, that we may be proven to be His disciples when we bear much fruit. Father, we love You. God, we thank You so much for who You are. God, what You have done in our lives, what You are doing in our lives, and what You are going to do through our lives when we fully submit to You. God, let us not be the reason that some never come to know who you are and know your love. But God, let us be the reason that those who are lost want to come to know you better. That they want to come and feel your embrace to know your love, your mercy, your compassion, your forgiveness. Christ Jesus, thank you for the model that you gave us. Let us rightfully examine ourselves and judge ourselves according to your gospel. According to your example. Let us lead lives that follow you. Let us lead others to you because we follow you. We can't lead others until we first learn to follow. Let us be disciplined. Holy Spirit, cut the fat away in our lives. Clear the clutter in our lives. Convict our hearts where we need to be trimmed. Let us repent. Let us not have hard and impenitent hearts, but let us have hearts that are soft and are open to change and conviction and challenge. And let us turn from our own unrighteousness. Teach us to love others the way that we have been loved. Teach us to forgive others the way that we have been forgiven. Give us a boldness in the gospel where we are no longer ashamed of the gospel, but we will proudfully 
live out the gospel in our lives, magnifying you and lifting you up that you may draw all men unto yourself. Father, make us unshakable. We give you the glory, you the honor, and you the praise in Christ's name. Hey guys, I love you. And until next time, remain unshakable.